In this episode of the Exploring from Security podcast, what is hardware hacking? Welcome to the Exploring from Security podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is hardware hacking. Joining me today to help answer this question is Price McDonald, Director, Coal Fire Labs. Price, how are you? I'm doing well, Tim. Just enjoying some nice uh, Colorado weather we got going on here. Oh, yeah. Is it snowing there? Is it warm? No, it was mid-70s today. Looking like we're going to catch a little rain this weekend. But other than that, mid-70s and sunny. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that's about what we're getting down here in Nashville. So um, everyone's kind of having some nice weather going on. So that's good. It's good to hear. Um, so, Price, you actually had, and this is where I got the idea to have you on to have this podcast, because you gave a great talk at B-Sides Indy. Um, about hardware hacking. So I decided to have you on. So so let's start with the basics here. What is hardware hacking? So, I mean, really hardware hacking is no different than any other type of hacking we would do. So some people consider it more of the, you know, building kind of things. I take it more from the aspect of taking a piece of hardware and doing something with it. It wasn't intended to um, typically like I would any other uh, pen test or something I'm researching into um, trying to gain more access or uh, see what kind of flaws or secrets they sort of left hiding in the hardware not meant to be seen. So is this like for like penetration testing or is this just trying to get it to do something different? So a little bit of both. Um, My work is mostly penetration testing. Uh, Personal stuff though, a little bit of both, right? So we got the... um, different sort of embedded devices that are not necessarily meant to do anything in particular, um, but maybe, you know, some sort of remote access device or something like that embedded. That's kind of how I originally got my start was, uh, was working on a red team engagement for work. And it's like, all right, how, how can I hide some remote access device inside of a projector so I can, you know, later use it to call back into their infrastructure after we physically place the device. So uh, a little bit of everything. Okay, so that's interesting. So, like, pwn plugs and things like that, are you talking about? Because you said projector. So, I imagine you're looking for some, you know, obscure thing that is in every office. Yes. Um, we originally had started uh, a project by doing a power plug. Uh, for whatever reason, the pwn plugs were out of stock. So, we tried to roll our own. And turns out the office floor that we were going into actually was a raised dentist data center floor throughout the entire building. So it uh, was a nice project to sort of spark the interest, but in the end, didn't matter. Um, but yes, I have embedded one inside of a projector before. Nobody really questions a projector when you're bringing it in through security, I find. So is a projector the weirdest one you've done, or, or what's your weirdest thing that you've hacked? Uh, so, yeah, I would say that was the most interesting thing that I've done as far as like embedding a device. Uh, the most fun I had on a... On uh, an engagement for work, actually, was for, uh, air quotes, next-gen ATM that we had done OS and physical hardware testing on for, it was two guys for like three or four weeks, and that was was a ton of fun. Learned a lot on that project, but I would say the projector would be the most interesting kind of embedding a device type of project. So I guess what other hardware are you kind of going after then? I really like to focus on the more uh, smaller level enterprise or home security type systems. So whether it's 
a, a you know SMB type firewall or some home automation IoT um, thing that is meant to protect the common user's home, uh, but generally speaking, they often introduce as many problems as they actually remedy. And so that's kind of one that the hardware is pretty relatively available at a decent price. So if I brick a whole bunch of them, it's not going to, you know, sort of break the bank. Uh, and it's applicable stuff. Like, uh, for example, my parents were, they pay money for a monthly service for a home security system to monitor, you know, their front door and cameras and motion sensors and things like that. Uh, something they pay for from a reputable uh, third-party company. And there's absolutely zero security protections baked in whatsoever. Um, like the sensors don't actually check back into a home base station um, periodically. So if the sensor just doesn't report in, it's assumed to be a closed loop and everything is okay. Meanwhile, somebody's making off with your stuff. That's okay. That's that's interesting because you think, like you said, a home security system is supposed to keep your home secure. And you're saying they're like very easy to hack. Uh, some of the the more commodity level ones, yes, absolutely. Okay. It's actually a talk I'm going to be in a demo I'll be doing here at the uh, upcoming B-Sides Rochester going through. Um, it's not new. Uh, a new sort of attack vector. Uh, we didn't know about it when we started working on it. We, I like to start whatever project I'm working on and kind of work it through to my completion. That way I don't, and there's always something for me to learn on there. Mm -hmm. uh, even though maybe I wasn't the first one to do it, I still find it helpful for the learning curve. Uh, but yeah, we were able to, most of the lower end security system, something like a uh, RTL SDR or any kind of SDR um makes them much more trivial to gain access to or disable the sensors in general. So, so is your focus more on like consumer or like more business types? Because that seems like a consumer thing, but I could also, I guess, see an alarm system, hacking an alarm system for an organization. So there is some bleed over between like physical security stuff that I do at work and enterprise hardware and ICS stuff that I do for work. Um, whereas I'm not going to go drop say 10 or 15 grand for a piece of hardware for something for me to tinker around with at the house. So it, it, I definitely try and do you. a little bit of everything. Okay. And what does ICS mean for people that don't know? So industrial control systems. So SCADA type um, work. I was recently working on a control hub meant to control valves, right? So mm -hmm. anything that is internet or network connected meant to do something physical for some sort of utility so so with the explosion of iot you've just you've gotten like this whole new like playground of stuff to go hack yeah I, and i think it's great for all levels of security um, 10 years ago when i was starting to get into infosec there were a few of the open source projects and things like that for a, a new infosec or off offensive security type person to tinker around with and play with things like WebGoat, Matilda, and things of that nature. But now, I mean, you literally, you can go down to Home Depot or Walmart or hit the flea market up, pick a device up for 15 or $20 and, you know, work on, you know, see if you can break the web interface in the, op in the operating system or the hardware layer. It just, there's so many more options now that they're embedding all of these services in something that's commoditized and, and sold at Walmart. 
Okay, so that's actually a good segue into how do you like how would someone get started with this with hardware hacking? So there are a lot of great resources online, but ultimately, I mean, you can get started for next to nothing if if you're like me, you've moved around a lot or switched cable providers. Usually, have cable modems, things along that uh, along that line, just sitting around your house or wireless access points. Um, my favorite thing to go pick up either off of eBay or at a garage sale because you can get them for next to nothing aside mm-hmm. from your gas to drive over there. And there are tons of resources online for people to go uh, watch YouTube videos. Um, I've done a couple of recorded conference talks where I kind of get through the, the basics uh, as far as getting somebody started. Uh, and there's also quite a bit of training out there at the various conferences as well. Okay, is there like a toolkit that someone would need for you know getting started? Like, like what's your tool set? So I have a, a you need some sort of you know serial adapter. Whether that's uh, it seems like on the uh, more entry level kind of thing, like the Bus Pirate seems to be very common. Uh, I personally prefer the the Shikra made by the good folks at Zibiter or uh, Senrio now, I think, but. Uh, some sort of device to interface um, between the serial connectivity on the on the target board that you're working with is kind of the basic level thing that you need to interact with the hardware itself. And more advanced interfaces sometimes require more uh, expensive test equipment. But you can get, you know, even if you're trying to desolder, you know, like a double EEPROM memory storage chip on a piece of hardware, I mean, you can do that with a $10 soldering iron from Ace, and then you can get an adapter online to read that for, you know, 10, 15 bucks. So it kind of depends on the hardware. You sort of accumulate a desk or a few drawers full of junk, uh, this kind of stuff from tearing things apart and different adapters and things like that. Um, but something like the Bus Pirate or the Shikra on the hardware side gets you quite a ways to start. So is is there like a language you need to learn or are they kind of all different or is there some kind of basic language that someone can learn? So a lot of this stuff uh, is done when you're looking at uh, reverse engineering code and stuff. It's it's normal assembly. Uh, It is an ARM, which is a little bit different. Um, But a lot of it is basic Linux Unix. Um, Many people refer to it as hacking in the 90s, which is very much accurate. Uh, It's not uncommon for them to use. I mean, some of the newer sysadmin type guys might not even know what the actual uh, password file used to have the passwords located onto a, a in a Linux machine, but it's not uncommon to see that practice still in place on the hardware today, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it, I would say, a basic understanding of the Linux operating system and how that all works is very helpful. As far as programming languages, it, it can vary, um, but you kind of learn that stuff as you go. It's not not necessarily a barrier to entry. Okay. Is documentation a good place or a good resource for um, hardware hacking in general? I mean, I like you said, password. So I was just imagine like looking for the default password. So a lot of the stuff is online. Yes, if they have if some sort of default password or you know maybe there was a vulnerability in a certain version of hardware where they had some hard coded password in there. A lot of that stuff is online. Um, and documentation for hardware specifically that you know transmits any kind of signal, the FCC, you can look up 
the exact um, makeup of that hardware to kind of figure out what interfaces are there. So the FCC uh, ID is very helpful in kind of deciphering uh, a piece of hardware as well. Usually they'll have disassembled pictures of it. Maybe you're having a hard time disassembling a piece of hardware. You can look at the pictures there and see how it actually comes apart without destroying it, which has actually helped me out a couple of times as well. But yeah, documentation is very, very, very helpful and pretty readily available either from the consumer side or various other resources online like the FCC IDs um, or, you know, hardware hacking type forums or blog posts where somebody has gotten into a specific device. Okay. So who, what kind of skills should someone have to, to be successful at hardware hacking? You know, I would say that, I don't, I don't know that it actually is qualified as a skill, but the thing that I get tested on more than anything is just the patience, right? Like mm-hmm. anything that we do, it, we're, we're trying to make the system do something it's not intended to. So having the, the time and dedication to go through and actually try and figure it out uh, is probably the biggest thing. Um, but as far as skill, I mean, that's a great thing about hardware is you can get it on the complete low level where there's no sort of protections it's, you know, kind of have at it where they leave the, you know, a lot of the home modems and routers and stuff like that, they leave these serial interfaces completely connected with no protection mechanisms at all. Uh, And then you get to the more higher end and there's, you know, things like security fuses or they've cut traces or missing resistors, things like that, where you get into a little bit more of the electrical engineering side of things. Mm -hmm. But I am by no means, uh, an electrical engineer, anything that I've learned, I've picked up doing projects and things like that outside of like middle school electronics class. I was it's just, okay. So that's a good question is, is circuit board diagrams. Are you, are you spending a lot of time in there? Like you said, looking at resistors, transistors, chips, things like that. Not really. I find myself making them, you know, staring at the hardware and using a multimeter to figure out pinouts and then I'll draw the diagram so I have a better understanding of it. But generally speaking, no, I'm not spending a whole lot of time looking at circuit diagrams. Okay. Okay. So how does how does hardware hacking play into the organization's defense strategy? So we've kind of talked about how you how you can, you know, get something set up in there for penetration tests. Like I guess what could should organizations be concerned about? So I so when I come from a more blue team type of background, that's sort of how I cut my teeth in InfoSec. And I didn't know that it was hardware hacking back then, right? I hadn't heard the term, but this is something that we did with all of the hardware that we brought in. Uh, before you go spend, uh, you know, a large organization like ours, if you're going to go spend a million dollars on, say, a firewall product or an IDS product, something of that sort that's meant to protect you, I mean, you should be testing that ahead of time. And that is included by testing physical protection mechanisms and things like that to make sure it's actually what they say it is. Um, so I would say it, it definitely comes into play in the enterprise uh, security as far as product evaluations. Mm-hmm. Um, if not doing them yourself, asking the vendors, Hey, do you, do you ever have this tested outside of, um, you know, one vendor would be like NSS labs that we used to go look at reports at and they would, you know, check, is it blocking this type of packet or what is the actual tested throughput? That's more benchmarking numbers. Um, but they should have, and we have a lot of 
security providers that come to us or that we talk to about this sort of thing. So I know that I know that it's being done as far as product testing, but I think that the product testing is a huge side of it for the enterprise. Um, and I don't want to drop any names of vendors, but in the last you know four or five years, how many vendors have we come out where some user got a hold of firmware off of the device and figured out they had a hard-coded password in their device or that every box had the same SSH private key, things along those lines. Yeah, and and I think I, I was, as you were talking about that, I'm thinking of, you know, we had the story about the NSA who was uh, rerouting networking equipment to open them up and put whatever in them. Yeah, it's the the supply chain factor into that gets I don't know I don't want to say scary because that's a little bit of fud but right right the especially on the commodity side the supply chain is just kind of terrifying to me as far as what can happen there yeah. um, and one example of that uh, the uh, serial chips that a lot of these devices that we connect into have in. A few years ago, they were being made and counterfeited all over the place, and the company became aware of it, and they put out a sort of software update that would essentially not brick, but make all of these devices inoperable, which is all fine and good until they had consumer, you know, legitimate consumer bought supply chain driven hardware that was also bricked by that. So come to find out the counterfeit chips were also making it into legitimate hardware as well, not just you know the Chinese or whatever knockoffs. So it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think recently there was a phone, like a bunch of phones got recalled. I want to say like Android phones because in the supply chain, something had been tampered with. Oh, I missed that story, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was phones or something. It's very vague. I do remember reading about it a few days ago. So... So, so what would you like to hack that you haven't hacked yet? So that actually, you had mentioned uh, B-Sides Indie. So I like to play poker. It's kind of a, a pastime or hobby of mine. I like the, phys- the, the interaction and the, and the player interaction, things like that. But they had a casino just outside of Indie. And I, I got there and I saw everybody kind of playing cards or whatever, but in normal card ring, you would hear, you know, chip shuffling and things along that line. But it was just quiet people staring at a screen and this was actually like a virtual poker table mm-hmm. that everybody was sitting around and they had different it, it must have been connected wirelessly or you know cables r- routed underneath the floor because they had different monitors monitoring each one of the tables along the side of the wall so i think a system like that i would find i know gaming systems are much more controlled than even enterprise hardware is but something along those lines i think would be a lot of fun uh, and telling yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, how much did MacGyver inspire you? Not much. I never really got. I watched MacGyver as a kid, but I never really got behind all of that. Um, <laughs> I realize a lot of that actually had roots in science, but mm-hmm. as a kid, I didn't understand that, and it just seemed kind of silly to me. <laughs> I love the show. That's why I asked. And I've talked to a couple other people in the Infosys community. I was like, I love that show. But yeah, and he, he he's kind of seemed to do it more, not necessarily hardware hacking like we're talking about, but you know, he kind of just had creative ways of making duct tape do weird things. So yeah, I, I vaguely remember the intro where he was like arc welding with quarters and things like that. <laughs> yeah. 
one of my favorite ones was he stopped a bomb with hockey tickets. So, oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was or a nuclear meltdown or something. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I haven't watched it in a while. So, all right. Well, so what resources are available for learning more about hardware hacking? So, from for me, the, the, like I said, the biggest barrier for me was kind of the electrical engineering side of things. And there is a YouTube channel called the EEV blog that is done by an Australian gentleman, and I cannot remember his name, but he is more excited about hardware than anybody I have ever met <laughs> and explains it all in very good detail. I think he's done something like 600 videos on wow. different pieces or parts or equipment reviews. Um, so the EEV blog is definitely helpful. And then I know so Joe Grand does a class kind of all over the place. I know he has a lot of uh, resources and talks that he has done. So I would definitely recommend people going out and, and checking out his YouTube videos and uh, his website because he's got a lot of really cool information on there as well. Okay. Was well, there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed? No, I think um, it's kind of why I've been doing more more of this work here recently as far as getting out and doing more conference talks, just trying to make it more, um, more mainstream or popular, I guess. A lot of people that I've talked to think that the barrier to entry is really high. And I guess my overall goal is just to say, look, it's, it's really not. You just have to, to start trying and, and start somewhere. Right. And like you said, we all have routers. I have an extra router sitting in my closet right now that if I wanted to, because it's just a, just a pile of, you know what, and I don't, um, you know, I don't, it's more of a backup anyways, but yeah, that's something I could easily just start taking apart. So. Yeah. And it's something that if you ruin it, you're out nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Cause it's just sitting in the closet anyways. And you know, I've got kids and so I know that there's electronics I could take apart there as well. All right. Well, what would you like to plug? Um, so I guess be doing a talk here at uh, B-Sides Rochester here actually next week now. I think it's next Friday. Okay. Uh, and then after that, I'll be in Chicago the end of the first week in May doing a talk about hardware hacking and doing some of the actual demos uh, at ThoughtCon. Okay. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, what about your Twitter? Uh, so that's at Price McDonald. I'm not very creative. <laughs> no way. I'm not either. It's Timothy D. Block. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't taken. Woohoo. All right. Well, cool. Uh, thank you for joining me to discuss what is hardware hacking. Yeah, absolutely. You have a good night, Tim. That will do it. Hopefully, you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at Timothy D. Block. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash e i s if you enjoyed the show share it with others and rate it on itunes have a good one